So, hello all you listeners out there. I'm Haley. I'm Anthony. And I'm Kim. We have a really great episode for you today. And just to let you know, we're all athletic trainers that just recently entered the profession. And we kind of want to share some experiences and knowledge with you. Our knowledge ranges from injury care and prevention, injury diagnosis, rehabilitation, first aid and emergency care, overall health and wellness, and of course, everybody's favorite, taping ankles. (laughs) So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ultimate athletic training sports medicine podcast, Trainer. So to start today's episode, I wanted to go ahead and ask you guys, did you see what happened at Maryland? Yeah, didn't they just have like a football player that like passed away from like heat stroke or something? Yeah, yikes. So it's pretty terrible. For those of you that don't know, Jordan McNair was a 19-year-old football player at the University of Maryland. So during one of the practices during the day, basically every athletic trainer's worst nightmare happened that day. This practice occurred on a day when it was 106 degrees, so already very hot, and the practice was on a turf field in the middle of summer. With the humidity on the East Coast, it's already a cause for concern, and every athletic trainer should be prepared for the worst-case scenarios on days like this. So, the staff at Maryland was not prepared. So, during practice, Jordan collapsed. Before he collapsed, Jordan was complaining of muscle cramps, which is an early sign of heat stroke. And the athletic training staff failed to recognize these signs. On top of that, during practice, Jordan was performing several conditioning drills that were causing him, and he was showing signs of severe fatigue and sluggishness. So instead of pulling Jordan aside, both coaches and the athletic training staff just kept urging him to go on, calling him soft, every other nickname you've heard in the book when it comes to football practices. So eventually he ended up collapsing, but the care following his collapse was also maleficent. I can't believe the things that have happened. The athletic training staff did not appropriately take care of Jordan's temperature, meaning they didn't take, you know, an EBP base temperature, rectal temperature, and they even didn't uh, submerge him into a cold tub. And they were afraid he would drown. Well, if he was hardy to the point where he would drown, definitely some medical care was not followed in, in the process. So by the time they called 911 and EMS arrived, Jordan was transported to the hospital. His core body temperature was still 102, giving the doctors at the hospital little time to cool his body temperature before his organs began to shut down. And they did. There has been a full-scale investigation to both the coaching techniques at Maryland and the athletic training staff's medical uh, practice. That's absolutely crazy. That poor family and parents to know that their child's death could have easily been avoided. Yeah, I know. This is, like, so terrible. But I just can't help but, like, feel like this is, like, more of an issue of colleges and universities from using, like, the old-fashioned athletic model as opposed to a more optimal care medical model than solely just malpractice of an athletic training staff. So a quick uh, disclaimer, I'm not, I don't know for sure what kind of model Maryland uses, but from working around football and being around um, various football coaches and coaches in general at both the collegiate and high school level, 
I've seen off-season workouts, and I've seen the way coaches are with these athletes. They're very tough on him in order to like get them prepared, uh, get them prepared for the season. And sometimes I know coaches can be a little too harsh on their athletes, but that's a whole another episode. But like from an athletic training standpoint, like when you see a coach just absolutely railing on a kid for like not working hard, it could be a little like intimidating to like intervene and be like, hey, just let the kid chill for a minute. So like I can see like at Maryland, the AT kind of being timid in that situation where they didn't want to like offend the coach or like get in his way or something like that. It's obviously like not an excuse. Like this is a life threatening situation and the AT needs to intervene. But if you're ever having to like second guess yourself to intervene because of the way it might like come off to like a coach, that just shows like the whole culture that you're working in is not okay. And like with that being said, like even though the the athletic model can like contribute to like this decision from the athletic training staff to not treat Jordan properly, the AT is still liable in the end. And the 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 head or whoever was like in charge that day should get their license revoked. But this is just an unfortunate ex- example of where the athletic model is more outdated and not best practice. Oh, absolutely. In most top-level colleges, their medical staff falls under an athletic model approach, which means the hierarchy of their medical staff is set up to where athletic trainers must report to either coaches or athletic directors. And in systems like that, the primary focus is on the well-being of the sports team instead of the actual athletes and patients themselves. In fact, there's approximately over 200,000 injuries yearly at the collegiate level across the 25 sports played in the NCAA. These injuries occur in both practice and game situations. But let me ask you a question. When you get hurt, you don't want a coach to take care of you, do you? Of course not. You want a healthcare professional to take care of you. This should be the way it is, especially for these athletes. You're absolutely right. Like, that's just so many injuries that happen over the course of a year. And you want a healthcare professional to take care of it. But, like, vice versa. Like, I understand, like, the mindset of college athletics, athletic departments, and coaches. Like, their goal is to win championships so they can bring money into the school and, in the end, they kind of are in the mindset like athletes are expendable. We can always get new players. We can find new athletes. We can't get a new team. So like their mindset is completely different than like what the athletic trainer should be. Like an athletic trainer should be treating everybody the same. They should be treating the starting quarterback the exact same they would like, I don't know, the fourth string place kicker. Like it, it doesn't matter. Like they should be treating everybody the same. So because there's such a like difference in mindset, they can't be like working under the same like corporate model, you know? So like, because um, there's such like a difference in the way like we interact, like athletic trainers interact with athletes and patients, there's no way they can fall simply under an athletic model where they got to report directly to the coaches or the athletic director. Instead, more institutions need to start implementing medical models to where athletic trainers and or team physicians are employed solely through the university's health department instead of the athletic department. This can help minimize conflict of interest in making medical decisions to be based solely on the athlete and patient's needs instead of the team's needs. This way, 
athletic trainers can report directly to team physicians instead of those coaches or, a, or ADs. So since like athletic trainers are told or teach and taught to advocate for their patients, in order for us to advocate for our patients, we should have more of a medical model in our um, work environments to improve overall patient care and create more individualizing of care for athletes. You guys both brought up some great points. So like you mentioned, Anthony, the benefit in having any medical model will improve patient care. But from a professional standpoint, medical models are shown to increase work-life balance, salary, able to gain athletic trainers. And they bring job security because athletic trainers will not have to fear losing their job when disagreeing with a coach, when a coach leaves a certain school. And these benefits have been shown to occur in institutions that have implemented a medical model, just like Boston University, Cutstown, and University of North Carolina. I know we've been talking mainly about colleges and universities, but what do you guys think about at the high school level? A majority, if not all, have to be athletic models, right? I can't see them having enough funding to implement that kind of model, especially if not all high schools can even fun to have an athletic trainer hired on to cover all practices and gains. Yeah, exactly, Kim. So, like, I actually tried to do some research on that topic, and I couldn't find, like, any stats related to the kind of, like, corporate or organ work culture models that they use in high schools. But, like, you're right. Like, high schools can't, like, some high schools can't even afford to have an athletic trainer, which to me is just crazy. Because, like, if you can afford to have sports, you can afford to have an AT. It's really not that difficult. So if there's so many high schools that are still like struggling just to have an AT in general, I think that issue needs to be solved first before dealing with the issue of like an athletic versus a medical model that we are accustomed to seeing in the collegiate setting. Yeah, guys. So that was a really great talk. Unfortunately, this is all the time we have for this week. I'm asking everybody to join us next week when we talk about concussions. Thank you for listening. And remember, we're athletic trainers, not trainers. Have a good one, guys.